Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. All right, Canucks were playing against the Detroit Red Wings, yep. I believe, to close out the uh, the road trip. Mm-hmm. Down 2 nothing after two periods of play. I gave up. And I remember saying to my girlfriend, Bo Horvat, he's got to go in there, into that locker room, make a good speech, you know, and he did that. He goes out, scores two goals in, what, the first five minutes, and the boys were buzzing. And they scored five goals in the third. Captain Bo Horvat. I was impressed with Captain Bo Horvat. I had given up on him and his teammates after the 2 nothing. That game was pretty awful until the third period. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was legit tough to watch. But he was just bo-ho-hum at this point, right? I mean, rolling on. Bags the hattie, dragging that team along on his back like it was no big deal. He's like new beast mode. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, guys. Beast mode bow? The team was buzzing. Horvat was buzzing. I'm buzzing. You guys are buzzing. The boys are all buzzing. Let's get to it, you guys. Here comes the rocket from center. Crosses the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots. He scores. Henrik scores. Henrik Sedin on the power play, and it's 3 nothing. Sven Berchik. With the power play goal, one second left in the penalty. It was the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Gessler scores! What a pass! It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser. And the Canucks have scored on their last three power plays. It's 4 nothing. Canucks hockey. We buzzing. We're buzzing. We be buzzing. We be buzzing. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome guys. This is uh, episode 7 of the PP1 podcast, and I'm your host, Brayden Ursel, and I'm a writer at the Canuck Way. Joining me this week is Ryan Hank. He's hey. a writer at Canucks Army. And then we also have Ted Wong, who just got back from trying out for the National Thumb Wrestling Team. How'd you Yo. do? How'd you do? It was it was tough, guys. Lots of... Did you, did you make it? Yeah, it was t- well, I don't know. It's the, the verdict. The verdict's still out. Yeah, well, we're gonna find well, out. You have really I don't haven't got that call yet. Don't call us. We'll call you. See how it's well, going. man, you got some really big thumbs. I mean, thank you. I appreciate you noticing. You really, thumb you know, size. you really got that like uh, hitchhiker's thumb. So that's got to be an advantage for you, you'd think, eh? <laughs> yeah. If I ever have to hitchhike, maybe it won't be such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, Canucks are uh, just finished up a four-game road trip. And uh, Bo Horvat is kind of showing why he's the captain of this team. Uh, it's nice to have your captain scoring goals. He actually now leads the team with five goals. And, uh, yeah, happy about it, boys. I'm sorry. I gotta... Did you just smell your armpits? <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was good. This is a small room with you guys. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Is it, is it me? It's not me. I'm good. Old Spice? Are you still sweaty from all the thumb wrestling or no. what? Yeah. Is it Old Spice? What do you got? Old Spice? Are you... No, I, I'm a natural deodorant guy. Calm what down there, Sporty Spice. What does yeah. that mean? You don't wear it? No, I wear it. I just oh. wear it. It's like the, the, the natural stuff without like all the alkaline and all that. And it's that's bad for my right. for mine and your armpits. All right. Let's get back to Sorry. Okay, well, let's get back boys. to uh, the team we're talking about. <laughs> yes, the Vancouver Canucks. You asked. The I did. six and three Vancouver Canucks, I might add. Uh, yeah. We're talking about Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat, you guys. Uh, quite the performance on the road. 
Bull Horvat is the best thing since sliced bread. Since they named him the captain, they've lost what one game against yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, they're uh, six and one, I believe. He's, since he's been captain. Yeah, he's officially slotted in with the highest winning percentage as a Canucks captain. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that like, that's going that's going to close sink. to ninety. <laughs> <That's a point. laughs> yeah. He, no, he's been absolutely amazing. And it's just, it's typical Bo. It's what we've seen from him since he was drafted, since he played his first game. He just has that, you know, never die attitude. And, you know, he puts everybody on his back, like every typical Canucks captain has, except for one who we will not name. Don't say his name. I won't say his name. Is it Mark Messier? You, you are fired. I'd say it's Mark Messier, isn't it? Uh, uh, but he's he's been so amazing, and it's just like he had to have that switch flipped, and all of a sudden he was ready to play. Like, well, he's, yeah, like he's dominating. He knew he was going to be the captain in the middle of the summer, but it wasn't actually until we saw the C stitched on his sweater where he actually, you know, went out there and started actually winning games. Was the it, team believed in him, you know? It was great to see. Was it just the summer? You think, or do you think he's been years now since he knew he was going to be captain? Well, I did he have the, maybe he had the Canucks uh, bed sheets like Tavares did, and he just like <laughs> one day he's like, "I'm gonna wake up and be the captain of the Vancouver Canucks." I got some Canucks bed sheets. I mean, <laughs> I I had a Canucks pillowcase. Regardless, yeah. you're right. But I, I'm not gonna be the captain. It's been good to to see him burst out a little bit for sure. I mean, the guy's scoring goals like a madman at the moment. So. You know, that's really good to see. I think at the start of the year, we were all really stoked to, to maybe see G JT Miller walk in and play on his line. And then, as we all thought, Cream was going to rise to the top on that one. And Miller ended up on the first line where he probably belongs. So just like every other year, Bo doesn't really get... He gets second pickings, I guess, when it comes to wingers. Uh, you know, now that it's not him and Besser, they're the only go-to guys on this team. So... He's he's skating around there with Tanner Pearson and whoever else they feel like throwing on that line, whether it's Levo or Furlan or Vertanen or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's what you need from guys like that, right? You need you need to have a guy drag you along as opposed to put him on a line to make it work. So if he's going to turn those guys' games around, uh, then that's just fine. And he's still getting second pickings, like this week. Yeah. Today, yeah. Yeah. tomorrow, he'll have another line mate. What are you going to do? You're going to take. You're not going to take a, a winger away from from Petey, right? So no. I mean, maybe that happens at one point, just because Petey's rolling so good. But at the moment, it's just Bo doing both things, and he's dragging people along. It's working out. Well, he's he's been a great captain, and that's kind of that's a reminder for me. Um, we just want to say thank you again to Orlin Curtinback for uh, you know doing that first interview with us. Mm -hmm. Lots of fun. Um, he actually invited us over to do it at his place, but uh, we felt a little more comfortable doing it here. Uh, kind of regret that. It would have been nice to go over there and see all his his basement and everything like that. Well, he did he did leave us with a little bit of a, a bait question. Yeah, he yeah. said, "Hey, the Alcatraz thing." The next time we can talk about the time that I went to Alcatraz and in, in, when I was playing for San Francisco. So yeah, yeah. Maybe there is a next time, and I'm, I'm sure a guy like that, just as like he did for the last time, he, man, that guy had some stories. Oh, I'm nope. still I'm still not getting over that that husky story. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah, that was. I do feel bad for those animals, but. <laughs> But yeah, like thanks again to Mr. Orlin Curtinback. Yeah. That was amazing. Um, thanks, Kurt. We I appreciate you. I thought it was you. so cool that we dug up some cool stories about Pat Quinn and and all and all of uh, Curtinback's you know his days playing for the Canucks you know 50 years ago. And who knew that Pat Quinn was a fast runner? I yeah. Didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, we found out he wasn't the fastest. Or he's faster. <laughs> <than Kurt laughs> no. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll have the luck of doing another interview with him down the road. That'd be awesome. So, uh, but yeah, back into like the current Canucks. Um, what do you guys want to talk about next? Well, the power play. Like we we, we usually like to jump one. into the power play pretty early. Yeah. Um, I, probably the biggest thing for the power play since we last spoke to each other was uh, Quinn Hughes was starting on PP one. Yes, finally. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it only took what is it? Was it how many games did did it take to get there? I I don't know, but like yeah, it was five. It, it it took too many games. I think it took yeah. six, to get there. six or seven games. I think it was seven games. It was how does it take that long for something so obvious to happen? I brought I, that up. Yeah. Okay. The... So can you just maybe read off that tweet that you had a little while ago? Because I thought that was pretty good about about just hurry up and wait basically well the problem is and we've seen this with Bo and we've seen it with Patterson we've seen it with well Besser I guess when they they you know benched or not benched when they scratched him for the two games how do you continue to have this same problem with all of your brand new clearly good players it just doesn't make any sense to me and yet they here it is so so Travis waits two games to play Brock, two mm-hmm. games to have PD on the p- top power play, three games to name Bo Captain. We'd need to just do stuff from now on. No waiting. And <laughs> why? Like six why? games to put Hughes on the first unit power play, and all of a sudden, magically, it works. It's it's like maybe you know what you have, and just do it. Yeah. How how is that power play doing now? We got some numbers. Uh, 21.1% as of recording. They are 13th in the league. So pretty average. On the flip side of us murdering the penalties, we are 88.24%, which is good for 4th in the league. So we've dropped down from that 95%, you know, so we're coming back to earth. What I do like about that penalty kill, you guys, is we were first about a week ago. Yeah. But the only goal we gave up against the Devils was Jack Hughes, and I believe that was on the power play. It's yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. But then uh, the Detroit, I think it was the Detroit game, the only goals that they actually scored on us were either on four on threes or five on threes. So the fact that we only dropped down to fourth, like, I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. They're and not this, giving out awards for it. And this Jack Hughes thing again, another Ugh. another top rookie or young rookie gets his first goal Ugh. against the Canucks, right of passage. I Someone mean, needs to do an article on that. Like, take the time, spend two months and totally research how many players have scored their first NHL goal against the Canucks. Not only, not only just first goals, we're, we're talking about first goals, milestone goals, I think is probably Gretzky the more important owns the record thing, right? That, All yeah. those milestones that have been made against Vancouver. Uh-huh. I just, it it shouldn't blow my mind, but it still does every single time it happens. And clearly you look on Twitter and everyone else is in mm-hmm. on it too. Like, maybe we need to stop doing this. Maybe just take a, take a mulligan and just... Call it a loss on those games. Oh, they got a brand new record. We'll just take a loss. We're good. So we're obviously okay with with Hughes now on the on on the first power play unit. Brady, you're fully on board with this now. Oh, fully on board. You, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> uh, definitely on board with Hughes on PP one. And so, what do we think about the about PP two now? Well, obviously, I think you go. You got to go with the Edler and Myers pairing on the back end there. You okay. keep them together. So do a three and two then on that one. And then yeah. I think you do three and two on the second one personally for me, and uh, you can kind of pick between probably six different players for your forwards as well. Yeah. So I think in a perfect and, world, 
it, it's probably good that maybe we're trying to roll the first unit out there for like a minute and 30 seconds or something like that yeah, because those guys can do that that's been really nice to see and honestly didn't we all, didn't we see a couple times this week where they were almost out there for a full two and i'm fine with that yeah, yeah. me too if you're if you're getting the chances to have two minutes out there with those guys and they're not you know getting worn out and it's basically keeping the puck in the zone and I, possession exactly yeah. if you can maintain possession and gain the zone again just keep pump, pumping away at it eventually it's going to go in yeah it is strange seeing that unit work go to work and i wasn't expecting so many shots from from hughes the last little bit so he's more of a shooter than i thought he was that's for sure i thought that he was going to walk in a little bit come to the center of the ice and then these are dished to 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 pd or besser but no he's looking pretty dangerous he's putting pucks on that Crazy to think. I'm just looking at uh, daily face-off, and I just don't seem to pay attention to that second power play because, well, at that point, usually the power play is over. But Brandon Sutter, Josh Levo, and Tanner Pearson make up that forward line. Yeah, so, like, in theory, that yeah. sounds pretty ugly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if it only has to be out there for 20 seconds, hey, then whatever. I just yeah. want to put this out there. Um, I think our second unit it looks pretty gross, especially with Brandon Sutter centering it these days. That's what I'm getting at. Um, this might, like, you've probably never heard this before, but I would straight up think that the line in Utica of Berchi, Gaudet, and Goldovin would probably fare better than their second power um, play unit. I'm hundy <laughs> on that for sure. Yeah. That was like our biggest complaint in the very, you, you just basically sent down a whole power play unit. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. So, Yeah. But I, I mean, I, it's time for me to see, maybe to see it's, that stuff. If we're playing yeah. our first unit for a minute 30 and we're getting, you know, some good quality defensive play from those some of those guys on the second power play unit, you know, playing their part, like Brandon Sutter on the yeah. penalty kill or whatever, then maybe, you know, things are working out. And like far. I said, I think because they're not getting a whole lot of time on that second PP. It's because the first one's out there for that minute and a half. And if, yeah. obviously, if it's extended to a five on three or something like that, you're going to see a little bit more of them. But if you've got that first unit out there for a minute and a half almost every time, that's okay. I don't mind if that's what our second power play looks mm -hmm. like because they're not going to be out there that long. And eventually, you're going to cross over to, you know, back onto five on five and then they're going to transition back to their normal lines. Exactly. I think there's a bit of defensive posturing that's happening with that, knowing that there's only a few, like maybe half a minute or 20 right. seconds or something like that left in the power play. Yeah. That they're rolling Sutter and they're setting it up. and Levo, which are guys that are a little defensively responsible. They're also just portions of their line so that the other guys on the power play can all get their act together in terms of. Um, you know, recovering energy or whatever so that when those guys get back in there, everybody can start taking a regular Well, and if there's that dump in right at the end of, you know, that one last miss shot potentially yeah. and springs that guy to the penalty box, they're already playing that neutral zone kind of defensive defensive system where at least they're not going to give up that pass. I mean, there's the odd one. I think, did Mantha have one kind of spring out there? I can't remember. He did. Anthony Mantha, as it turns out, is pretty good at hockey. He is good at it. Yeah, that guy is a I beast. think Detroit figured that out. Um, Brady, so, I mean, you brought up Berchi and Goldobin and, and Goddard obviously being down there now. But So what's the, uh, do we have some numbers as of the game, the game yesterday? I haven't got a chance to check. How are those guys doing right now? They're oh, in Utica? Yeah, I think they're top, um, I know that Nikolai Goldobin, he just got AHL Player of the Week, and he's looking sick. Three All games or something like that. He's only played four games. And they're 5-0. and oh. um, He's got, I believe he has nine points or maybe ten points. I think it's one one goal and like nine assists. 
Yeah. And uh, Berchi's right up there as well. He's also played four games. And he's averaging over two points a game. <laughs> he's got yeah, Goldie's got a goal and eight assists, which yeah. is ridiculous. Boucher's got eight goals and two. Reed Boucher is like Mister AHL. Yeah. He's going to end up being yeah. like an AHL Hall of Fame. I mean, and that's really. kind of why I don't really want to get too excited about how much points these guys are putting up. Like look at look at Boucher. Like you said, eight goals, two assists. He's an AHL legend. Yeah. But he can't translate that game to the NHL. Well. He's not going to get an opportunity. I think that's probably the better statement. I think if you put, I mean, if you had a trigger man like Boucher sitting on your second power play unit instead of Levo. I'm confident in saying that I don't think Boucher will ever be an NHL player. It's probably right. Well, he's he's he has been. It's just the problem is there's way too many guys ahead of him that are better. And I mean, whether he's on a different team, that's where he's going to see that opportunity. It's just there isn't opportunity right now on the Canucks. The opportunity's gone for him, I think. I mean, but he's got skills to translate, but but his window is probably closed. But I like what Utica's doing down there for the first time in a few years. Yeah. And they got guys like Carter Camper and Boucher are playing on a line, and then they've got, you know, guys like Josh Bailey out there, and they're playing along with guys like McEwen. So... Uh, not only that, but they've stuck, you know, Cole Lind with yeah. a couple of really seasoned AHL vets. And instead of Cole taking Lind a bunch of... Good. He is. He really is. Instead of taking a bunch of, you know, AHL vets and then plugging him in with other AHL vets and then sitting our young guys, it doesn't make any sense. And they've even done things like um, changing Lucas Yasek over to center yeah. and then plugging him in with Berchi and, and Goldobin. So mm-hmm. you, you really, from like a developmental standpoint, it feels like they've heard the cries from the... I mean, the, the general public and, and the rest of the NHL about the way that you should be de- developing your prospects. And it's nice to finally see that because we essentially wasted a year last year. Yeah. Um, so that also kind of leads me to this. Uh, Berchi and Goldobin, they're putting up mad points. Uh, they're making it look super easy. And that was all before the latest news of Adam Gaudet being sent down. About time. Um, what do you guys kind of think about that? And him, him, them waiting that long for them to send him down. He didn't get that playing time. So what was the point of all that? I think like, well, it kind of pisses me off for starters. I mean, there's like, what kind of message are you sending to your young guys that are trying to make the team? Like, hey guys, I just want you to know that if you uh, if you work hard and you uh, lead your team in scoring and you show that you can, you know, pay your dues and be a Canuck. <laughs> The, you know, what's going to happen is you're going to make the team. And then I'm going to make sure that uh, you get marginal playing time. Uh, you don't get a lot of opportunity to get in there and show what you do. And then uh, we'll make sure that you're shortly sent down to the AHL. Um, you know, thanks for your support, kid. You earned it, essentially, is what Jim Benning's saying to these guys. So what if you're a young guy trying to make this team and you're the best player in the preseason and you're not good enough to play, what, 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 where's the incentive here? Other than, obviously, I want to make the NHL, but it feels like we're not doing this guy... Any, any, any favors. No. We're not doing him a solid. I think there's a part to that, too, that you do want to try to get him in every almost. game you can. But at the same time, it's almost like, and maybe maybe this is part of their thinking, what if they're waiting for, like we all have been, for that shoe to drop? What if they're waiting for that you know inevitable injury to kind of happen? They're thinking, well, maybe we'll hold him one more game and we'll, we'll keep him one more game and maybe something's going to happen so we can plug him in and at least afford him some more points. Some more, sorry, not points, but more minutes. But realistically, you're right. He should have been sent down a while ago. If he's just going to waste away, 
He's, you know, waiver exempt, so he can go down there. Let the guy play. I mean, yeah. get that confidence up. Let him get some ice time. Let him score some goals. Let him get in on, on some team atmosphere instead of sitting his ass up in the, the press box eating popcorn. That's not fun for anybody. Let I don't him. care, like, how much you're up in the you're up in the bigs, but you're not really. You're just sitting there with Louis Erickson. He's making you a coffee, and that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, and I, I heard that uh, they kind of kept him around for that road trip just in case of injury. And they kind of shipped him off, leaving Detroit as it's kind of closer there. It was a New York but, trip, too, you know, so that's fair. But this kind of leads me all to, I was asked a question by one of my guys at uh, the Canuck Way, uh, Quadrelli. And uh, he wants to know kind of what we think of when Sven Berchi might get called up. And maybe if this Adam Gaudet thing has any effect on that. I mean, I suppose, but like, I think I'm still on the train where Adam Gaudet should be playing a trade in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So if they're willing to have guys up that can do the job that are players like Adam Gaudet, then you better not be bringing Berchi or Goldobin up to play the same role no. and sit on the bench. So, I mean, we talked about the fact, obviously, like, I'm glad that Gaudet is now going to go down and get a, get some games, but he, he shouldn't be playing games in the AHL. No. And so it's, it's quite obvious that Berchi and Goldobin are not AHLers. They're, they're NHLers, so if they're just going to be called up to, to sit on the bench again, like, I mean, I guess I would prefer a veteran like Berchi to come up um, and at least force his way into the lineup over a guy like a, a Schaller. Or, or Josh Levo, maybe. Or a, or a Levo or a Mott, for that what? example. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Hustle, they're the, not going to kick him out. My, my thing is, is like, like what, what part of long-term plans does Schaller fit into? Does, does Godet fit into that? I think so. So if, if that's the case, then why are we wasting early time on players like those when they don't even fit into our long-term plans, but a guy like Godet does? Money. Tim Schaller's make a bank still, unfortunately. Yeah, it's still stupid. And that's, that's the age-old thing is you these guys are getting paid. And, you know, same reason we talk about Louis Erickson every single week and everyone else does. Those contracts, high, low, whatever, it's NHL money. And unfortunately, they have to do something with that and they can't just bury it, all those guys, and just put in the guys that probably should be playing. In a perfect world, yes, you'd see Sven Berchi, you'd see Adam Gaudet in there, and potentially Nikolai Goldobin, but you don't because of the That's money. back to that we're just well, trying we're to make about, fetch happen. Yeah. But when we're trying to talk about, you know, trying to find a lineup spot for Gaudet, and you guys are talking about, you know, Tim Schaller being the guy that's kind of in his way, I don't really like making that comparison. I don't think we should really knock on the fourth line right now. I think they've been pretty stellar for oh, us. Oh, they have been. Um, and I think... It comes, she comes down to a Brandon Sutter or Adam Gaudet, more kind of one-on-one, in my personal opinion. But either way, it's Sutter's spot now, and Gaudet gets as much playing playing time as he wants. And he, he, he even gets to play with NHL players when he gets down there, which is which is a plus. So he gets to play with Barrett, he gets to play with Goldobin. So, that's, you know, and maybe that's we'll thing, see yeah. all three of them back in the NHL. Like, like, that can't be a bad thing that he's actually playing with you know, possibly NHLers on the Either team. Either that or they're going to make a trade and we're going to get something out of it. That's a good thing, but I disagree with you on the fact that we can't be comparing Adam Gaudet to Tim Schaller. Tim Schaller plays center and was moved to wing. Gaudet plays center and was moved to wing. Fair enough. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be apples to apples taking Sutter's spot because Sutter... Sutter was moved to wing. So I think all three of Patterson these guys... Patterson was moved to center. Patterson. <laughs> like he's the freaking best player on the team. All, all three yeah. of these guys c- can be interchangeable, in my opinion. And I don't know if he brings so much, Tim Schaller, to the penalty kill that that warrants you know, a roster spot over an up-and-comer like Gaudet. 
Yeah. Sure, he does a lot of nice things, but I mean, mm-hmm. now we're getting back into little things versus long-term potential yeah. mm-hmm. and short-term gain. Okay, well, this I'll just kind of throw this question in there. We've kind of discussed the topic a bit, but um, it comes from uh, my boy Faber uh, from Canucks Conversation, and um, he just kind of wants to know what our thoughts are on if Gaudette was treated poorly in any way after kind of having that stellar preseason. No, I don't... I think it's kind I of just part so. of the process. It's, it um, is. That's kind of how it goes. Ted, you kind of had a take on that, I think. That's bullshit, in my opinion. I think yeah. what, that's, again, I think we're going back to the message of what we're telling you up front. If you make this team and you're, and you're a good player and you force your way onto this roster, we're going to make a spot for you. So they make a spot for him. They let him play a couple minutes a game, give it three tries, and send him home. Did they give up too early on Adam Gaudet or not? Well, I don't think they've given up on him. No, no, no. Given up on the chance that they were giving him to make this team. They've already sent him down, so now he has to make the team again. I think it was more so that Brandon Sutter impressed more than Adam Gaudet. Uh... He didn't, though. No, the, no he impressed like more than they were expecting him to, which kept him around, which kind of knocked Gaudet kind of down, if that makes any sense. So yeah, this... so, but so, so, so... Like, Brandon Sutter exceeded his own expectations. Sure. Which, which is still not unfortunately great. Unfortunately, knocked Gaudet off, off a roster spot. So, w- what Adam Gaudet did in the preseason compared to what Brandon Sutter has done to start the season, I mean, I guess he was given the benefit of the doubt being, uh, being a vet. But like, I don't know, man. What else do you have to do to get some playing time yeah. other than lead your team in preseason scoring? Like, that's the epitome of what you're supposed to do to make the roster, and he's not on. Yeah, but at the end of the day, regular season scoring is more important than preseason scoring. Yeah, but only if you get a but chance what's the to point try of scoring yes. the regular what's season. What's the point of having a preseason, then? Why are we trying out lines? Why are mm-hmm. we trying to find chemistry if it means absolutely nothing once that first game starts? If, if preseason scoring more means more, then shouldn't you give a player a chance to score in the preseason? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's get back to talking maybe some highlights of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Faber, you got us heated. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thanks, I really settle, like this guy. Settle down. <laughs> um, I want to talk about our goaltending tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, you kinda it could be a little too early there, but are we talking about maybe a possible Jennings duo here? I'm going to stop you right there. No. No. <laughs> and then here, I'm, I'll, I'll back up. I'm not. I don't want to like shoot you down. Like, wow. Well, that conversation is dead in the water. No. You're. I. You know. You've got a pretty good uh, role on this one. They have been Mar- both Markstrom and Demko. They have spelled each other when they've needed to. They've both been absolutely phenomenal. Each one of those guys, every single game, has made a game-breaking save yeah. that has kept them. Basically, all the wins, obviously, and even in the losses. They've each made a save that defined that game, whether it would have gone, you know, the other way and potentially put them in the loss column. Jennings, they're still a ways off. If you look at when Luongo and Schneider won it, there's amazing goaltending, and then there's unreal goaltending with a team. With a great team. With a Stanley Cup team or a potential Stanley Cup. (laughs) A Stanley Cup runner-up in front of them. So as and I still remember there was games that Corey Schneider was absolutely tearing it up against Dallas, but he had guys that helped him keep the puck out. This yeah. team and it may happen. I don't think so. I was thinking about that Jennings um, idea the other day, and I just thought I don't think the team in front of them is good enough to keep those numbers up for an entire season. They're going to be a, probably above average this season. They're not going to be the best. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like, they're not going to get enough victories to maybe get a, into the Jennings conversation. But I think if I kind of change the question a bit more so that how good is our tandem of those two goalies? It's It's been an A-plus so far through nine games played. It's almost that's, unbreakable. That's great. I think all of this hype that we've brought up for the Canucks in this first, you know, ten games, nine games of the season doesn't happen without the work that Demko and Markstrom are doing right now. They're like, a completely different team. Period. Those guys are like, those guys are by far in the way of the backbone of this team right now. For everything that Bo does, those guys are, are literally winning us games in a lot of scenarios right now. We're, we're constantly yeah. being unshot, mm-hmm. outshot, sorry. There's, Ryan, you said it already, you know, numerous times during a game where those guys are making game-breaking saves. We have a guy like Markstrom that has to leave for X amount of games and we have no worries about throwing the ropes to Demko. Or we did, and he spelled them all. And so now I think all that's happened is that he's forced more playing time on that coaching staff. He's forced Markstrom to keep the ridiculous amount of play that he's already put forth to continue on. And and we'll just see what it brings because I think it's the beginning of probably what is going to be a, a perennial thing for uh, a Canuck team, and that's a goaltending controversy. So the, exactly, where have we heard this before? The one thing that I've been, I, I wrote an article on this a long time ago when Schneider and Luongo were just kind of becoming a thing on, I think, Ted, we had like some blog that we used to write at Jersey City there or something like that. <laughs> and it was about the good treating, old days. Yeah, it was about treating goaltending like a pitching rotation. And I have heard a lot of talk about this lately um, through whether it's 1040 or, uh, you know, even during the broadcast. What would it be like if NHL teams actually, and there's some teams that they have, you know, a bona fide starter that can handle, you know, the lion's share of the games and they're going to burn those guys out. But if you actually use them as a rotation instead of uh, a starter and a backup, when you look at, there's, I mean, every guy's got, you know, teams that he's going to do well against for whatever reason, you know, whether they're good or bad teams, they all seem to have like the, the book on, on a certain team that they just play well against. Or if you get into back-to-backs, obviously you're going to have to play that other guy. But when you look at it as a rotation, you're keeping guys fresh and it's not about, you know, who's going to get the most starts and who's going to be, you know, if we talk about that 60, 40 percentage or whatever it comes down to a team game again we've talked about that jt miller trade last week when we were bringing up you know the the draft pick for for miller and what it really came down to well it's kind of the same thing with goaltending what if you treated both goaltenders as a rotation and actually played to their strengths so you're keeping them both fresh you're keeping them alert throughout the week because who knows what's going to happen but at the end of the day, you've got guys that are back and forth, back and forth. It's it's just like bringing in a guy in and out of the lineup. You know, how many times did we see last season where we're like, well, I really hope Demko's going to get in, you know, towards the end of the season and get his final couple starts. Well, wouldn't that be nice if you knew that you didn't know what goaltender was going to be starting against, you know, the opponent or as far as the opponents are concerned. Yeah. And they actually have this rotation where you've got a guy that, and if he's, I mean, if you've got a guy running on two shutouts in a row, you, yeah, you, you play the keep, hot hand to a certain extent. Hand. Yeah. But if you can still have that other guy in there, all of a sudden that changes the dynamic. And again, contracts come into that, and we're not in that Luongo Schneider boat anymore where there's a ton of cash at hand. You've got two guys that essentially um, can be making, at some point, they might, at some point soon, might be making close to the same amount of money. And all of a sudden now you're thinking, you know what? Like, 
let's be a 10 and let's be that yeah. that battery to take on all these teams and i mean at the end of the day it is it's about a stanley cup yeah. so if you have two guys if one guy's kind of slumping you don't necessarily have to have a starter. You've got two guys. You don't have one center. You don't have one defenseman. You've got four lines. You've got mm-hmm. three pairings. And you've got one guy in net, unfortunately. Well, keep those guys fresh, too. I think that, I think, actually, that's what Vancouver was probably trying to do with, with Nilsson and Markstrom. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? Maybe. Because Nilsson, I think, to a certain extent, was, you know, still, like, a viable source, and we didn't know exactly what what he was. And Markstrom was a bit unproven at that point before we, like, made them the de facto number one. But I don't think, like, management really agreed with them. In terms of, like you know, straight up running, like, a pitching rotation. Like, from an analytical standpoint, I, I agree with that fully. I don't believe that our management and coaching staff is that forward-thinking, unfortunately. They're not. But, like, there's teams that do that. I think, <laughs> like, I think Nashville, Nashville does that with Rene and Rene and, and Unisoros to a certain extent. I think Chicago does that, too. I think too. the Leafs been doing some sort of rotation that but people are freaking out about. They're talking about Babcock. It's and so smart. Are they going one-and-one? One? I, I personally like the rotation. And I don't know why other teams don't do it as much, especially yeah. when you have two good goaltenders. If we're going to talk about load management for a guy like Edler, then why shouldn't we continue to talk about load management for a guy like well, maybe Marston? Maybe for goalies, it's more of a thing where like a lot of goalies like to face a lot of shots, and when they don't, they don't play well. So when you've got a hot goaltender, you got to keep him hot by playing him. But that's like, like a player that wants a ton of shifts. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. There is, I mean, yeah, I, there's I admit a lot that... more responsibility lying on a goaltender. Like, a goaltender has a bad game, it's over. P- Pedersen has a bad game, whatever, he, he, we can still get a victory. He can be picked but, up by other so players. So, a goaltender is definitely the, the most important player on the team. That's why we built from the net out with Roberto Luongo. And, uh, yeah. Did you have a final one on there, you were saying? No, no, I think... I think uh, I, I like the idea of the pitching rotation, too. I mean, Me, too. Yeah. That's why I brought like, it up. I want to wrap up Markstrom and Demko pretty quick, but I know... like. The Seattle expansion draft is also only a year away. Maybe it's too early to start talking about that. but No, I think it's, it's it's early in the season, but it's not too early to talk about it. It has been talked about that, you know, that could come up, whether it is Markstrom or Demko. And obviously DiPietro is kind of not waiting in the wings, but they're grooming He's him. Down there, yeah. They're grooming him to be the next guy as well. But, you know, you're probably going to see a bit of a Vegas um, scenario where they may have to you know, offer up something to not take a guy. But who knows? I mean, they only have to take one player. So depending on who the Canucks make available at that expansion uh, draft, maybe goaltending isn't their biggest problem. We have no idea who's going to be available um, once that happens. But, I mean, we've got got both of those guys. There's just just so much riding on this year. Sure. You know, you have Demko waiting in the wings, and you have Markstrom playing his best hockey he's ever played. And he's going to want a big contract, and he likes Vancouver. So there's just a lot of questions that remain to be answered, obviously. Define big contract. Well, for him, I think he's going to want to get paid. Did, what, what's get paid, though? I'm thinking at least $6 million a year. So is $6 million a year that bad? 
Well, no. I mean, the guys that are getting paid, like, Bobrovsky. No, like, I think we got to... He's making... All those guys are Vesna winners, right? The guys that are, like, getting bank. And I don't think he's going to win a Vesna. Mm -hmm. So he's paying six mil a season for a guy that's, like, above middle-of-the-pack goaltender that you're going to split starts with? I think we should pay for him, for sure. Yeah. Like, lock him up. But my question is, then what do you do once the Seattle expansion draft comes around? Because you have to deal one of them eventually... Like, or else what's the point? You're just going to sure. lose one of them to Seattle. And you do not want to be playing against Demko or Markstrom in Seattle. That is going to be our biggest rivalry. We want them shipped across, and that's across why I don't, the nation. Yeah, that'll be the ultimate suck. Ultimately, we don't have enough data to make a decision like that. I think we have to yeah, let it. we got to wait. we got to let the season play out a little bit. And at, at, people are saying, like, trade him now while his value's high. Wait till trade deadline. Wait till this. Wait till that. Yeah, like, I see but that. When do you when do you make that decision to pull the trigger? I see that a lot. Like, people saying, like, his value's never going to be higher. Like, trade him now. Like, what what do, what do we think we're going to get for a guy like Markstrom midseason? Well, I saw on Twitter there was a comparison. Someone thought that we could maybe get the same kind of comp- comparison we got for Corey Schneider. No way. I don't, know if, we, I don't know if we can land no. a top 10 pick, especially in how deep this draft is. No way. There's and plus, you got to find the right team at the right time for that. you got to try to find a, probably a playoff contending team, which is probably going to land you outside the top 10. Yeah, right? or in New Jersey's so, case, it was a team that was losing a, a veteran goaltender. They were losing that was, Broder. So there's no <laughs> way that that's it. So for, for starters... Demko is not at Markstrom is not Demko. Sorry, Markstrom is not Schneider in this case, right? So, you know, Markstrom's the Luongo in this scenario, and the Luongo Schneider tandem was so much further ahead than where this tandem is right now. Like, sure, Demko is a great prospect, and he's probably the best goaltending prospect that's in the NHL right now. But like, he's not to where Schneider was at the at the point where he got traded off. There was playoff runs and everything. Playoff runs. We're talking about a twenty what twenty five twenty six year old goaltender who was putting up Jennings Trophy numbers. He was the best goalie in the league for like five years. Yeah. So even if percentage was unreal. Yeah. Even if Markstrom is is actually what what Schneider was at that that standpoint, his value is nowhere near the same as what. Is he worth a first round pick? No. No. There's no way. So then I don't I don't think I'm trading him for. That is one of the silliest concoctions I've ever heard about getting a first round draft. I mean, hey. If someone, it could happen. If someone's stupid happen. enough, uh, that yeah. if there is a GM dumb enough to offer a first rounder, I mean, uh, just yeah. please, please just pick up that okay. phone and let's just maybe make that trade right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, if it's out there, let's just call it a day and, you know, stranger things. So I'll ask things. you guys the yeah. Yeah, stranger things. Yeah. Thanks for that subtle drop <laughs> tip. I like that. <laughs> Big stranger things fan here. Anyway, I'll uh, kind of end it with, uh, if you guys had to pick then, say... We're trading one of them, mm-hmm. and you're trying to shape this team to be a cup team. Do you trade one of those goalies for a top four D-man, or do you try to trade him for a top six forward? I I, I'm, I take D-man all day, every day. Like, who, what's going to go further for this team, do you think? A defenseman. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's always been a defenseman. You can find scoring wingers everywhere. They're they're out there. Yeah, every think... every year there's there's a winger to get. I mean, let's look at James Neal. You know, there there are players that are available every like <laughs> James Neal from Milan Lucic is the funniest like, thing ever. <laughs> but, but you, like there's players that are out there. So yeah, if there's a defense, if there's a top what four a weird trade. Oh, it's sorry, I've it is off. no, it is stupid. It's so bad. But, it's so good to see Neal doing so well after it too. Like, that's what makes it here. so much worse. <laughs> But if you have an opportunity to get a, f- a top four defender, I mean, 
those are tough to find because yeah. nine times out of ten you're drafting a guy like that mm. and if you have to sign it he's i mean that's the other way i guess usually they don't make it to free agency that often and you're going to pay through the teeth to get it carlson was a a great example the trade happened obviously he got traded right and then signed yeah so yeah. so that's that's my thing i think that a top four defenseman has more value than a top six, six winger if he's a part of your team then that's great if he's if he's not a part of your, te- your team, he's worth more as an asset. So we see guys all the time, top four defensemen that are getting traded and getting huge contracts. That doesn't always happen with top six wingers. And that's because a number one defenseman is so impossible to find. You got to draft those guys, you can't trade for them. Well, other than Carlson, who you just brought up. But yeah. traditionally, you can't trade for those guys. So yeah, you got to get your hands on as many top four defensemen as you can. There's a part Just so that you can simply have that asset. So yeah. that's that's my opinion. Was to take the There's a part of me that thinks that our top six is still missing a lethal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, JT Miller and Furland were good pickups. I mean, more so Miller than Furland than Furland at this point. But they're not that kind of thirty plus goal scoring kind of. Not thing. yet. Again, we haven't even played ten games yet. No, not yet. Sure, sure. So yeah. and for all we know, like I was kind of looking at the JT Miller thing. He's I, he's better than a lot of people know. I was looking up today. He's third in the NHL in Corsi, 65.09. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, clearly as far as points go, he's been making that happen. Um, in the last two seasons, he has 58 points, 5, five on 5. Um, he's got a 1.75 points per game at 5 on 5. Uh, 1.14 primary points per 60 minutes. So, like, the guy's, the guy's a point-a-game point player as far as primary points. And then he's, uh, you know, almost two points per 60 um, again. And he's a power play specialist. So and even when he was playing in Tampa Bay and he, he wasn't putting up a ton of points, five on five, he was still scoring. So we add play. him. I mean, we add him to what we've, I mean, the obvious. So we've got Bo Horvat. We've got Patterson. We've got Besser. Now you've got Miller. There's probably someone else that's sitting in there. Probably not going to be Jake. It's probably not going to be, you know, a Levo or, any, you know, you're right. We we need someone. Pearson maybe is that guy. And again, it is really early. We've played nine games. Yeah. So I mean, we do need one, but we also have the lion's share of the season to find out. You know, where are these guys going to sit? Do we have a bunch of twenty goal scores? Do we have two thirty goal scores and a bunch of ten goal scores? We don't really know yet. It's still. I think it for you me, know, it's still early. And for me, I'm just kind of off topic a little bit. It, it makes me kind of wonder if I, when I think back to the 2011 run. If we trade Corey now. Schneider, careful now. Would we have a Stanley Cup? No. And you know we we won't if we, know. In, if we traded him, if we traded Corey Schneider, when at the trade deadline in the 2011 run, yes. Who and would, then who would be the backup? We didn't oh. need. We didn't need one. You need a backup. <laughs> Absolutely, well, you do. We we should have played Schneider in Game Six. We didn't. And yeah. Well, so. Luongo was potentially about to become. But we, we, but we knew with Luongo we never needed a backup because he was going to play all those games on that twelve-year contract. Well, anyway, yeah. it's kind of going to lead me we to, a, to a question I got from a friend. It okay. was kind of my point here. All right. All right. And he kind of asked me this question. Um, where is it here? Uh, it was about the two uh, kind of. We've had two. Oh, the cores. Yeah. Which was that? It's uh, well, what were those? So there was the Movado core watches. The core back in 2000 was the so we're talking drafted player core. So Sedin, Sedin, Kessler, wait, Gatlin. I gotta hear. Here it is. Sorry, since 2000, the Canucks have had two cores that were drafted and built for a cup run. You had the Sedin era with Kessler and Edler, and now you have the era 
the modern era with P.D. Besser, Bo, and Quinn, the core, core four. four. Uh, what core players do you guys think are stronger and why? We kind of talked about this Before right at the hop. <laughs> You're going to let me run to start? Yeah, yeah. I'll get lead off. We already have seen what's happened with the Sedins, uh, Kessler and Edler. We know what happened with them. Though you know, you've got two guaranteed Hall of Famers, probably one that's going to be in the U.S. maybe U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame for Cass. Um, Edler, who knows what's going to happen with Edler? But I mean, as far as that core goes, we've seen that entire story. We know basically the ending to that. But at the same time, we have no idea what's going to happen with Petey, Besser, Bowen, Quinn. That core four, it's, we're at the absolute infancy of, of what that's going to be. So to say which one is stronger, I mean, there's, 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 there isn't even a recency bias on this because there isn't enough to know that if they are better than... Is it stronger okay, or which one would you rather have? Because I, if, if you're taking the old core... I'll, yeah, I'll take okay. the old if core. If you're taking the old core, I'll, I'll go the exact opposite and I'll take the new core. Because... I'll say that although having a defensive center or a sulky winner like Kessler mm. is probably better than having a sniper like Besser, I think Petey has the potential and the ability to be a better player than either Daniel or Henrik. Oh, for sure. On the he does. Yeah. And I think that Hughes has the ability and potential to be better than Edler. And we already know that that team didn't win the cup. So I'd have to take the new one yeah. based on having the best defenseman and possibly the best forward out of the mix. I'll uh, and I'll step in there and I'll agree with you, Ted, uh, with a couple different kind of ideas on that. Um, you look at the core the Canucks had in the 2011 run. Um, the Sedins had slow starts to their careers. Every player in that core four had a slow start to their career. And then you look at the core here that we have now. Petey broke the rookie scoring record in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. The year before that, Who's uh, that guy Brock that the- Besser was on pace to destroy Pavel Bure's scoring record until he got hurt. Yeah. And also, Quinn Hughes is on pace to have the best maybe defensive year for any Canuck ever. So they all well, have rookie, higher anyway. potential for sure. So that's, that is simply why I have to go with the modern day. And at the end of the day, uh, the Sedins, they didn't get us that cup, so... Yeah, well, the, yeah, yeah, but I mean, we're talking about. We, what we still love stronger. everything. Well, we, that they of did course for them. we do. We but love I mean, you look at. We can talk about the tortoise and the hare. Yeah, you know, the young guys we're, have gotten there. We're, we're talking. We're talking about potentially having three Calder finalists in a row. Sure, that's insane, and I will bank on that any day over the. Well, that was my predict in like what episode four or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah, actually, I want to talk about that too. Uh, I think it was episode one. I predicted. I had a little hot take. You guys, you guys told me it was a hot take. We were predicting uh, points. Who would lead the team in points? How many points Patterson would have or something like that. And I said 90 points. You guys looked at me like I was insane. I'll have to go back. And I know it's only nine games, but he has 10 points in nine games. You do the math, that is pretty much on pace for exactly 90 points. I think that there's <laughs> been a lot of freaking out about Pas- about Patterson on, on the whole from, from the, the Twitter sphere about how many... Oh, he's not he's not firing on all... He's not on his game. The guy's still putting up points point every game. single game. So those are yeah. how those are how the good players win scoring titles. Just wait until he starts gets going. Yeah, those Can are I, how the good players win scoring titles. They score points regardless of whether they're on their game or not. I wanna, that's definitely something that Patterson's doing. I want to kind of tie into that just to go a little bit more uh, back kind of a little bit to the power play. Um... If you're looking at Pedersen, he's tied for first in missed power play shots with 10. He's tied for first in the NHL. So, yeah, that sounds like it's a bad stat. But when you think about it, if he has 10 missed power play shots, 
Yeah. That means he's not scoring. So yeah. if and we're bringing it back to where you know Pedersen's slumping, if you will, which is clearly not. <laughs> if he has ten missed shots on the Isn't power it? play, what happens when they start going in? Now all of a sudden, let's just even take half of that. If he has five power play goals, or if the next five power play goals are about to come up, all of a sudden, now you've got a guy that you can't touch because you can't touch Pedersen when he's on his game. Plus, you add Quinn Hughes. And then all of a sudden, if, if Pedersen's scoring, you know Besser's going to be scoring as well because they're going to have to start defending Pedersen, which opens up Brock Besser. And that's when everything kind of ties back together. But I'm still taking the Sedin core. You can't yeah, go wrong with I can't go wrong. No. You can, I mean, if this is the conversation we're having, yeah. we're not losing right now. In all, in all fake conversation-ness, yes. I appreciate that pick. Thank okay, you. well then... It'll be fun to go back at the end of the year yeah. and talk about all those crazy predictions that we all had. I think I think I looked at you sideways when you said that he was going to lead the league in scoring too, um, but I can't remember if that was before or after you said that. I don't think I was going to lead the league, the team. So something like Demko was going to be the unsung hero. Yeah, we thought Demko job. might be an unsung hero. Yeah, that was, for that was sure. one of your things. I think yeah. they're going to trade Markstrom for first round draft pick. Was another yeah, one of your things. That yeah, that was another one. So who knows? We it'll be fun to look back on those for sure. Yeah, um, but about that kind of that core group we have. Um, Pedersen and Hughes probably both considered to be draft steals, right? Uh, Pedersen went at fifth, and then Hughes went at seventh. Who do you think was the bigger steal between the two? This is such a weird question. Like, define steal. Like, is the steal mean that like, is like Henrik Zetterberg would have been the steal of his yeah. draft because they got him like two hundred and something Shea overall, Weber right? Was a steal. Shea Weber well, was think, a steal. Like, honestly, for me... Is it really a steal if you're getting the guy in yeah. for fifth overall? I mean, I don't know how many players... I think what it's kind of asking here better is... Better gaff is, by every other GM. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is who are we more lucky to have landed at that pick? Not like who ended oh, up being... Like, who are okay. we more lucky to kind of grab? Who Like, who fell further? Well, then that's and who are we answer. luckier to get? The guy we're most lucky to get in the spot we got him... Was Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, because yeah. going into that draft, and we and when we drafted Pedersen, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. I was one of those guys that was like, who the hell is this? And they knew. And he was then, the guy that was knew. with Jonathan yeah. And Dalton. that's why yeah. Benning is, is the G- GM of this team. His scouting is unreal. And it shows in both those guys. Yeah, the Hughes one, the Hughes was, it was just all kinds of awesome. I, I think a lot of us remember that day I was driving in my car and waiting for that Detroit pick to come. And then they didn't pick him. And... We all knew at that point that we were about to get Quinn Hughes as a Vancouver Canuck. Mm-hmm. It just it it was it was kind of weird. Because well, they almost peed themselves when they made life. the pick, and it wasn't Hughes. Yeah, but like the it, draft table was like, Ooh. like oh man, Jim Benning was just. It almost just didn't seem real. Like you have an out of body experience because you know that's the guy they're going to take, yeah. and yet you still can't believe that that's the guy they were about to take because you knew who was coming. Like there was no other player. Yeah, they couldn't get it up was, there fast enough. No, yeah. exactly. They probably, you know, they probably tripped over bracket trying to jump up to the stage. Well, speaking of bracket, are we going to give all the credit for this unreal drafting of the Canucks to Benning, or do we need to give this credit to the to Judd Bracket? Well, that's an easy answer. <laughs> I, th- I think we all know the answer to that one. That's it's it's not a, Jim Benning's the guy that kind of signs off on those deals. I don't think uh, I don't think that's that's. Too well, much of it. Uh, just like the Twitter account says, probably, Judd Brackett is underrated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is underrated. Well, we should probably uh, try to wrap things up uh, pretty quick here. So, looking over, you know, the first nine games, or, or how much is that road trip um, since we last talked for episode five? Um, who have been the dudes and guys this week, Ted? 
Can you fill us in on your uh, segment should, there? Maybe how about each one to do a dude, each one to do a guy. Okay, fine. If we're all gonna pick one, then then yeah. my dude, Bo Horvath. Oh, dang. Yeah, for sure. On DP. Sure. I mean, there's lots of other picks out there, but if we're gonna talk about a guy who's dragging this team along, when we were out of a game, I think you were talking about the fact that. Oh, it's, we're down to nothing. We're out of it. There's right. no way we're coming back. But I think we're finally getting back to that point now where I don't feel like we're out of a game to nothing. I think Bo's a big reason for that. And man, did he drag those guys. He put the team on his back. Yeah. He drove to the net. He scored those goals. He was the captain. He was the captain. He Whether he needed to be do a big second period, second intermission speech or not, mm-hmm. maybe he's, we don't really know because we don't get to see behind closed doors, but maybe he's just a quiet leader and he's just going to go out there and do his job and, and, and ho-hum, right? So Bo Horvat. Captain dude, what a dude! What a dude! Mister dude, how about you, Ryan? I'm gonna. I know who you're gonna pick, so I'm gonna say it first. <laughs> <laughs> I I just know, but I, and I'm gonna drag this out because because I want it to feel good. <laughs> so he was the goaltender that didn't go back to Sweden this week. That's yeah. who you're taking. I know maybe, maybe. it was. You're, he's looking at me like I want to kill this guy. Thatcher Demko is my dude of the week. He was absolutely unreal while Markstrom was gone. And he he kept them in every single game. And, there, you know, we've talked about it for a large part of this conversation tonight. He's everything we were hoping he was going to be. And just like every other goaltender that seems to come through the Canucks stable, it does take some time. But he's finally maturing into that role. And he's got such a good head on his shoulders. He's a thinker. He thinks the game at another level than a lot of the guys do. And if you saw on Twitter today, his skate gear. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that's good. Okay, Brady, that's on you. So you're going to go. I mean, it's You're going to go dude, and then you're going to go guy. Okay. Back to back. All right, all right. So uh, for my dude, uh, you guys kind of took my <laughs> ideas for dudes. Yes. So I will go. Uh, if I had to say, probably somewhere for a dude, I, Quinn Hughes was great. But uh, before Quinn Hughes, I would say Travis Green. Dude status this week. Oh, uh, oh off the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three out of four wins on the road, six of the last seven. And he finally puts Hughes on the power play, and he keeps him there. That's enough for me to make him my dude. That one play? That, that, that round one of play, play, man. Yeah. And, That's uh, fair. That's fair. And for guys... Um, Just a guy. Yeah, I got to go with Michael Furland or... No, no, you know what? I'll keep Furland off the list. You know, he's still battling back from being six. So I'm going to go with Josh Levo. I've not been impressed. Um, Why? He just, he just, I don't think he's the answer for that second line. Did you he like got that demoted shoot? to the third. No, it was nice. But that's kind of the only thing he's done so far. And uh, I just think we have better options than Josh Levo has kind of shown. I would have kept Godet in the lineup over him. And I think... I think it's time maybe he gets scratched to kind of wake him up a bit. Um, I think, uh, so over the course of these, what, seven episodes we're into now? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a bit of a pattern starting here. I think what we're finding is that Josh Levo is Brady's whipping boy. <laughs> He's not a Josh Levo fan. I think oh. that's like, what, we're on five maybe of seven episodes. So, hey, a little yeah, bit of hate for, for Josh Levo. I, I, hey, there's guys I hate too. I'm all over that. I think for a guy, so a guy for me... Um, probably not going to be a pick that somebody would expect, but Chris Tanev is just a guy. Yeah. Just a guy out there. I think all he's doing, I mean, he's walking around with, uh, with a Corsi somewhere around like 47, 45% or something like that. Yeah. And then you got, um, our boy Quinn Hughes, as my buddy Kyle says, is just 
otherworldly right now. He's just playing <laughs> out of this world hockey. So somehow he's doing this with a Tanev-sized parachute around his back. So let's imagine what he would be doing even if he was playing better. Um, I don't uh, I don't know who exactly they're going to put in that spot. I still really want to see Troy Stetcher before they go ahead and trade that guy. Um, but yeah, man, I think Chris Tanev hasn't been good in a while, and I think his numbers show that. So he's my guy. I'm going to have a really unpopular take on this one. This may yeah. be the only time uh -oh. he graces this segment. Uh-oh. Don't say it. I have to. Don't say it. Elias Pettersson is my oh. guy of the week. I'm hurt. Come at me. Oh. Come at me. Why is Kick me while I'm down. Why is he your guy? You know what? It's It does. For me, it's going to come down to his goals. It's going to come down to the act, not the assist. He, he's, oh, so he his, doesn't have 10 wait, goals wait, in 10 wait, games? Wait, wait. No, 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 no. No interrupting. No, 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 no. no. The, the Pedersen that I've seen on the ice still looks a little bit rattled, and I don't think, I don't think that he, not intensity is the wrong word, but I think mentally he's a little bit behind of where he he probably wants to be i don't think he's making that that quick pass as quick as he normally does and i think you're seeing a little bit more from you know i think you're seeing a bit more off of besser off of hughes uh, miller i mean i'm only picking them because i think there's a lot more that he's probably bit, maybe been kind of held back and it's part of the sophomore slump, if you will. It's based on expectations. How is it a yeah, I think he's got he's got ten points. It's, I think again, it is. It's based off of expectations. I think well, expectations of ten goals and ten games. No, 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 no. It, it's not about a ten. It's not about absolutely you know slaying the score sheet. But I think what I haven't seen with Elias Pettersson in you know that full sixty minutes, there just hasn't been everything that. I guess you would expect to see at this portion of the season where he is so fresh, I'm expecting him to be a little bit more dynamic than he has been. And really, I think Quinn Hughes has kind of taken over a little bit of the, the sex appeal, if you will, as far as the dynamicness. Like, he's doing his little spinoramas and his dipsy-doodles. Those are the same things Pedersen was doing, and I know that he knows that he has those same things in his tool belt still. And it, it is going to be a matter of time, like I said, it's... It's not that you know he hasn't been playing Unreal because he has, but I think. But he hasn't. I but think. he he hasn't done what I I realistically think he's fully capable of, and by next week I could be, like, awfully wrong. At this point, I think there's more to Elise Pedersen than he's shown us so far. So too long didn't read. He you don't think Pedersen's fully unlocked yet? No way. And you want to see the guy go super saiyan? I want to see cheat mode. Over nine thousand. Yeah. And and real 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 Pedersen should, should please show up. I want to see Mario Star mode right he's, now. He's just not there, Hundy P yet, and I think he's still a good player. Hundy P. And he's just not all the way there yet. That's he's, what he's trying to say. He's not all the way there yet. Because <laughs> looking at him at this point last year, and again, no one had a book on him yet. Can't so compare. and that's and you, and you can't to a, to a certain degree. That was an insane start. Why not? They're the same player. You can, I think that's the perfect. I think come on, you can't, you can't start. <laughs> he's just he's so. Like, Ten, he's like, so fresh in this season. There's a ton of energy there. I just haven't seen what I believe that is available right now. The one thing I would say that would put him in guy status for me in the season overall, um, he had a great off season and he looked like he bulked up. Some, exactly. But I felt like he's still kind of getting pushed around like a little boy out there. Like, uh, I Quinn, disagree. Like, no. He, Quinn no. Hughes, Quinn, like, he falls over every game. And like Quinn Hughes is smaller, even smaller than Petey is, and he's got way stronger feet. 
No, I, d- I don't buy that. No? I, I think he's more physical. I think we've seen him do the little Edler back check thing where the guy's coming in. Yeah, but against him. He looks, he looks stronger. He looks he looks stronger on his feet. I don't think he's like Mason Raymond falling out there. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that's not, just a blue line thing. We're though. not getting wasted doing he's shots only... with Elias Pettersson falls. Like, yeah. I, 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 I agree with you to a certain extent, although I'm not worried even one iota no. about the points that he's putting up right now. Well, man, he's on pace for... What ninety points, and we're calling him a guy. What a bum! Hey, <laughs> you're, uh, I'm calling him a guy. You guys didn't call him a guy. That's mine. That's nice. my man. He's definitely alone. a dude. Um, but yeah, uh, that's about it. Um, the one thing about the Canucks, as we'll wrap this episode up, um, it's going to be a big test for us. We're six and three. We've won six of the last seven games. Mm-hmm. We're on fire right now, but we haven't actually really play, played a team that is like championship caliber material. Um, nope. Maybe other than kind of the Calgary Flames, um, we're playing against the Washington Capitals and Mr. Alex Ovechkin on Friday. Well, Huge game for us. That's their first big test of the season. Yeah, they've actually had. Uh, there is, I think, Harmon Dial did a an article the other day, and the Canucks actually have the easiest strength of schedule for October in the entire league. It does show. Again, those are points. You have to get them at some point. You might as well get them right now. Yeah, I think it's early, obviously, right? I think we're all having fun watching the Canucks right now. It, it hasn't always been that for the last little bit, so I think we got to be thankful for that. I think there was, uh, I was on my way home today actually listening to Team 1040, and people are like, all we need is 16 points to come out of October, and we'll be in good shape if we can just pace the rest of the way. Well, screw that. We had 16 points to finish in October last year. And we still didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So anything can happen. We're going to start to see some real teams. There's going to be some tough times ahead. I think we talked about that at the very beginning of the year. And I think this team is going to be in an absolute dogfight to make the playoffs at the end of the season. But right now, it's fun to watch. And that's just what I'm going to enjoy. I'm in. No, I'm definitely enjoying it as well. Um, but that's, uh, we're pretty much at the top of the hour. Um, my name is Braden Ursel, uh, And you can find me at BKUrsel23 on Twitter. And I'm a writer at the Canuck Way. I'm Ryan Hank. You can find me writing the game day previews at Canucks Army and the occasional article if I have time. Um, at always 90FOUR. I've got some pretty spicy takes and some terrible dad jokes. 90FOUR. That's mine. My name's Ted Wong. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter handle T3, that's T E E 3 R E E. Uh, big taxidermy enthusiast, uh, thumb wrestling championship, uh, tiddlywinks dude, uh, Hawaiian shirt wearing fella, so I don't write any articles, but I'll probably have a take or two on Twitter if you follow. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the episode. You can find us, as usual, everywhere. See you next week. Peace out. Peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.